for Children's Church, and uh, if I knew he was singing that, it would be a different message this morning, and uh, first time I heard that song, I'm telling you, I, I think I wrote three sermons, uh, first time I heard that song, and uh, told Forrest, I said, you've got to sing this song in, in church, and uh, I didn't mean today, but um, I love that song, and uh, great message uh, behind it. Uh, billboard, aren't you proud of me? I remembered. I, I sat over there the whole time going, Billboard, 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 Billboard. <laughs> so I was driving, and uh, it's right here in Rankin, and it's one of those billboards that changes. Um, and uh, now, you're gonna, somebody's going to come to me later and say, that's not what that billboard means. It's fine. I'm just telling you what I thought the billboard meant. And it had this big picture of somebody... I think it was hold. I don't even know what animal it was, dog, cat, something. And uh, the billboard had said, I don't know if it said dogs or animals or whatever it said, don't, don't, pass, or don't pass on the COVID. They pass on love. Now, dog lovers and animal lovers, first thing they say, oh, that's so true. Dogs, all they do is love and da-da-da-da. But I hope we know that it's a different kind of love than we're to love each other with. And I thought to myself, this is my first thought. Now, maybe the wrong thought, but this is my first thought. My first thought was, yeah, dogs are better than people. That's what I felt like the billboard was saying. Some of y'all are looking like, and? (laughs) Sometimes they are. I get it. But here's the point. The point is, stay away from people because they can give you the COVID. That's what I found. I don't think that's what the billboard was saying. I, I didn't even see it long enough to know who put the billboard out. I'm just saying, when I saw that, the first thing that crossed my mind was, get as far away from people as you can. Because, well, COVID really is only the current reason. The real reason is people hurt other people. Relationships are hard, aren't they? Good relationships are. I just want to let you know. There's no such thing as an easy-peasy relationship. Relationships have to be worked on. And let me tell you something. You know what you don't have to work on? A relationship with your dog. You want to know why? Because your dog is going to love you, not because of you. You could be a dirty, rotten scoundrel. And your dog's going to love you. You know why? Because you feed it. You pet it. You show it love. And you know what dogs are? They're loyal. Do you know what it takes? Zero effort. I was mowing my yard and saw something white on the ground. And I went over and I picked it up. It was a golf ball. My neighbor across the street loves to play golf. He's always constantly out in his yard hitting the golf ball. I, I, I try. I mean, I try to understand, but I, Brother Johnny, I don't get it. I just don't get the whole golf thing. But anyways, he loves to do it. Well, obviously it was his. So I put it in my pocket. I finished mowing, and, and I took it across the street, really not because he needed the golf ball, just to touch base with my neighbor. And so I pulled it out. Well, I got up there, and their dog, he's, I don't know, he looks like a German shepherd. I don't know what he is. And 
He's probably about that high. They got one about that high and one about that high. And uh, I walked over there to walk up there and got to the um, driveway and stopped because that dog went, they have small children. And that dog stood there. Let me tell you something. I've always been taught, be careful of the dog that doesn't bark. And so the little dog was, you know, those little, you know. But I, I didn't. So he come and stopped. And she said this, whatever the dog's name was, Jasper, whatever it was. Jasper, turn about. And the dog turned around and walked over and went back to the children. I was like, can you teach me how to do that with my kids? Turn- yeah. That was my first thought. I didn't say that, but I was just gave it the golf ball and we talked for just a second and, I, and then I left. But I thought to myself, let me tell you something. That dog was trained to protect those children. I guarantee you if she used a couple different words like dog attack, I might have been in trouble. She had a relationship with that dog, but you know what that relationship was? I'm the human and you're the dog. And that dog loves those children and that dog loves that family and that dog will protect that family. You know why? Because it was trained to do it. Obviously. If she could say, Jasper, turn about. And that dog turned around. I was mesmerized when that dog just turned around and walked back towards those children. Thankful, but mesmerized that 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 happened that way. And I'll tell you something. In human-to-human relationship, it doesn't work that way, does it? Next time you get into an argument with your spouse, try it. Wendy, turn about. <laughs> she might turn about, all right. It might going to be the turnabout that I'm going to want. But it doesn't work that way, does it, with a human-to-human contact. And so you know what we do? This is what we do. Because it's hard, we step away. Because it's difficult, we back off. And we use, this is just the most current excuse to stay away from people. It is amazing to me the treatment that you get when wearing a mask and when not wearing a mask. Now you could say what you will, but I've already done a survey. I've already done a test. And I've gone into places, and by the way, I'm the guy that if the business requires you to wear a mask, and if I got the mask, I'm going to put it on. Or not go into the place. I'm not going to fight with somebody. Now, when I get in there and the employees don't have it on, I'm going to take it off. But I've been into places, and, I, and, I, and I've noticed uh, uh, with my mask on, everybody is so kind. So good to have you here. Oh, thank you for coming in. And blah. When you don't have a mask on, they look at you like a terrorist. Now, I don't know where you are with masks and not masks, and I'm not up here to tell you you should or shouldn't. That's not, that's not what I'm telling you to, today. I'm telling you whether you wear one or don't wear one, if you think you should wear one or you don't think you should wear one, doesn't change the fact that we're to be kind to one another. Amen, that doesn't change. You know what it is? It's just another excuse to be mean. It's just another excuse to be cold. It's amazing to me how 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 many people I go to places now. It used to be, boy, you just can't, you couldn't get a smile on anybody. 
I feel like things are coming back just a little bit to some kind of normalcy. I know it's going to be a new normal, but now people will shake your hands or whatever. Uh, but, uh, but it's amazing to me that, that one little thing can enter into our lives and change us completely. Drag us away from what the Word of God says. You see, I feel like everything's coming back to normal. You know what the headline is that I read? I, I don't ever read the article. I only read the headlines because it says enough. But here's, here's what the headline says. COVID-19 making a comeback. You, you, need, you need to be careful. I don't... I don't I don't know what it's doing and if it's this one. I'm not, I'm not making light of it. I'm just telling you, let me tell you what people want from you. They want control of your life. I'm not talking about just the government. I'm talking about people in general. People like the power over other people. And boy, if we can, if they can tell you what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing, and last time I checked, now, we're losing it quickly, but last time I checked, we still live in a free country. But I want you to know, as a born-again child of God, are you a Christian? Do you know Christ as your Savior? If you are saved and you are born again, there is a certain way you ought to live your life. And nothing in this world should change that. Now, whether you wear a mask or don't wear a mask, whether you get out or don't get out, whether you eat at restaurants or don't eat at restaurants, I want you to know something. That changes nothing on the way you should act and react to people. I come driving out of, you know, Goshen Road. Is that Goshen Road? Where they, that, that bookstore coffee shop is? That's Goshen, right? At Goshen Road there, we were coming out, Force and I were, were coming out that road, and, and I made a right. Well, if you know anything about that, about, about that road, they got that middle section, right? And there's a light there. Well, the light turns green here. So last time I checked, I hadn't checked in a while, but last time I checked, if you're crossing the interstate, you yield to the one that doesn't have to cross the interstate. Now, that might have changed. But last time I checked, that was the case. So, it turned green. I went. I had to be over to get over to Parker's. Guess why? And so, I had to get over to Parker's. So, I get on the other. And this little girl got mad. Because apparently, I got in front of her. And she zoomed around me and told me I was number one. And I thought to myself, what? Actually, actually, I went like that to her. And I thought she was being immature. I might as well, too. And uh, since I couldn't tell her she was number one, I... And I thought to myself, people are so ugly and so rude over the dumbest things, over the smallest things. You know, God tells us in, uh, in so, many, so many passages... But in 1 John chapter 4, God is clear when it comes to His people how we should act toward one another. How we should act toward Him. How we should act towards the lost. Have you ever been into a place where somebody was just mean the entire time you were in there? 
I mean, you went into this place and they're in customer service. They really ought to find a different profession. They probably shouldn't be working with people. You ever met them? I hope you're not them. But, you know, you've, 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 you've met those people before. Whether they were a waitress or waiter or they worked in a DMV or they worked at the post office or they were wherever they were. They're just, just absolutely ugly. Absolutely mean to them. You know what our natural reaction is? Snap back. No, I didn't mean punch him in the face. I meant snap back. So you're ugly to me. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to be ugly to you. You know what I like to do? I don't, I don't do it very often because I don't, I don't eat fast food. I just, it's, it's a principle. I just, it's disgusting. So I, I, I very rarely eat fast food. Chick-fil-A is about the fastest food I'll eat. And so, but every once in a while, I'll have to get something for Emma or get something for somebody, and I'll go through a drive-thru. And I'll look in my rearview mirror, and I'll look at this person who is just looks like they're having a bad day. I mean, they just haven't smiled the entire time. They talk rudely to the person that was in it. And so I'll get up there, and I'll buy their food. I'll pay for their food. You ever done that? I do it for selfish reasons. I do it to look at their reaction. Because then, you know, they, you almost have to smile, you know, because now, some, it has backfired when they order for the entire office, you know, and you can't always tell that, but, uh, but usually it doesn't. Usually it's just, you know, you're paying for their meal or theirs and their kids or whatever, and they just smile. Isn't it strange that you very rarely see a smile anymore? I tell you all the time, I'm going to get some of y'all and have you take turns and sit up on the platform. And, 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 Make you watch everybody else's face while Forrest is up here trying to sing a song about the resurrection or about God's love. And he'll say something, and he'll even say something, he'll even say something funny. It's like, if we're in church, we're supposed to be miserable. Why is the preacher, why is the preacher telling jokes? You shouldn't be telling jokes. Why? Because I'm supposed to be miserable. I haven't found that in the Word of God. Where God says, requires out of stewards that a man be found miserable. I haven't found that. But I have found over and over and over again how that we are to treat one another. 1 John 4. Look what, look what the Scripture is clear. 1 John 4, chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another... For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God, toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him, hearing His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation of for our sins, beloved, if God so loved us, we are also to love one another. You see, we have this idea that we're good because we love God. I want you to know something that's a biblical principle. The only reason you love God is because He first loved you. 
That's clear in the Scripture. I mean, that's a, that's a biblical truth, a biblical principle. It's not up for interpretation. We love Him because He first loved us. And He loved us with a, a, a sacrificial love, an unconditional love. Aren't you glad God didn't say, I'll love you if? I'm, I'm, I'm glad about that. I'm glad God didn't say, all right, if you'll clean your life up, then I'll love you. If you'll clean your mouth up, then I'll love you. If you'll do such and such, then I'll love you. God doesn't say that. God said, I loved you while you were yet a sinner. And I love you still. I love here the passage where the Bible says that he is the propitiation. You know what that tells me? That tells me that there is only one propitiation. There is only one that can save. We know that from John chapter 14 and other places where the scripture says that he is the only way. See, the definite article is a very important to three-letter word, T-H-E, the. He is not a way, he is the way. He is not a propitiation, he is the propitiation. And he has provided the way. And this morning, if you're not saved, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's step one. Too often we're trying to get everything right. I remember before I got saved, I thought to myself, listen, there's some things that are going to have to get cleared up if I'm going to get saved. And I tried. Well, I tried hard. And I did this and I did that and I stopped doing this and I stopped doing that and it was just for a little while and, I, and then it was just a problem came up and then it would just drape back into it and I just couldn't do it. You know why I couldn't do it? Because you weren't made to do it. You realize you're born in sin. This idea that people come by and say, you're a good old boy. Listen, by nature, you're a sinner. By nature, you're a failure. And by nature, you deserve to die and go to hell. That's just Bible. That's Scripture. It doesn't matter if it gets preached anymore. It's still in the Bible. So, by nature... We live in the flesh. By nature, we're selfish. By nature, we're liars and cheaters and murderers and all these other things. Oh, I don't. Listen, you're capable of every single bit of it. By nature. But Jesus Christ came to save. Matter of fact, the Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And if you're just a good old boy and you're not sinful by nature, then you have no possibility of being saved. Because he came to seek and to save that which was lost, not that which was found. And we are lost and undone. And in this world, I expect to see hatred. In this world, I expect to see meanness, unkindness, I expect that. When I see that in the world, I'm not surprised, and neither should you be. It's in our world today. People are by nature selfish people. And all they think about is themselves. What's in it for me? What can I get out of the situation? And that's including in relationships. 
when I become surprised, and I guess I shouldn't be, nothing should surprise us anymore, is when the church acts like the world. When the Christian acts like the lost man. We should be bothered by that. Do you know there's some things in this world that we used to be bothered by that, quite frankly, don't bother us or shock us anymore. The things you once watched on television... Isn't it amazing to you? It's amazing to me. They had television shows of married people that slept in different beds. Even married people. They wouldn't imagine putting that on television. Now? Are you kidding me? It's one debauchery after another. Matter of fact, you can't watch a show anymore without something in it. Some cuss word or some sexual innuendo or, I mean, all sorts of things are going on. By the way, they're slipping them into cartoons too. I'm not here telling you to get your TV out your house. I'm just telling you, you better be careful. You once was able to let your children watch Sunday or Saturday morning cartoons. My goodness, you better be careful now. Things are waxing worse and worse and worse and we're seeing it. But guess what? We're not getting as red-faced as we once did. We don't get embarrassed like we used to. We don't, get, we, don't get, we don't get mad like we used to, upset like we used to. Are you saying, preacher, that you should be mad sometimes? Sometimes you ought to be upset. Sometimes, you know, Jesus went into the, to the temple and turned over the, the, the money changers' uh, tables. You know why he did that? He was upset. Righteous indignation. And by and by, it was for something more than most people think it was. But he turned them tables over because he was upset. We ought to be upset every day at sin. We ought to be upset every day at what's going on in our world today. God's people just do their duty and stand in the corner. Don't say nothing. Don't do nothing. And then you know what we do? We get mad. We keep it inside, and then we take it out on the people that are closest to us. You ever find that to be true? I find it to be true when it comes to work. We get mad at work. Well, we can't yell at our boss and keep our job, so what do we do? We go home and yell at our spouse. Yell at our children. I mean, we keep our job. I mean, we got to keep our job, so we can't do it there. So what do we do? We go to the people that are closest to us and we yell at them. We often do that in the world as well. We bring it in the church and we end up being mean to the people that we're supposed to love, that we're supposed to be kind to. You know, Scripture says, "Be kind one to another." Do you know? Do you know how many problems that would? that would settle if we were just simply kind to each other. Treated each other like human beings. Loved each other like the Scripture tells us to. You know, in the world today, we see stuff like racism. I want you to know that racism looks very, very different today than what it used to be. See, we have this idea that, uh, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm real careful what I say, but we have this idea that racism 
is just for the privileged white person. But I want you to know something. Racism runs rampant in our world today. Rampant in our world today. You know what racism is? Racism is hatred. That's all it is. It's hatred. A hatred towards a person or a people. And too often, even in our churches today, there are some that are sitting and, and, they're, and they're, hatred is looming in their heart toward their brother and sister in Christ. They may not say anything, but like a cancer, it begins to affect them and affect their lives. Do you know how many people today are out of church that used to once sit in church? I'm talking about, I'm not even talking about just being in church. I'm talking about being in leadership. People that are, that are out, and let me tell you something, 99 times out of 100, you know what it is? Relationship. Some kind of relationship problem. Now, it's generally something silly. Matter of fact, I'll even use a stronger word. Usually it's idiotic. And, and we, end up, we end up splitting with people. We end up splitting with family. We end up splitting with... And it's all over something minuscule, something small. What do we need to do? We need to reset. We need to, we need to reboot. I, I was... Watching a show, and I didn't know this could happen. And but apparently, if you have if you have been on painkillers for a long time, I thought this was very interesting. I think it's very very rare. But if you've been on painkillers a very very long time, the disease that you're on the painkillers for could actually go away, but your brain somehow has triggered to the painkillers that you still need the painkillers. The only solution is to completely come off the painkillers and reboot your system. Reboot your body. Not a real great way to do it, but that's the only way to do it. And you reboot your entire system. Let me tell you what we need in our churches. We need a reboot. Let me tell you what we need in our Christian lives. We need a reboot. Let me tell you what we need in our family units. We need a reboot. Our problem is we're, we're, we're only thinking about ourselves. We're only thinking about the immediate. We're only thinking about what can, what can be solved immediately and quickly. Sometimes, aren't you glad, sometimes things can be, can, can be fixed immediately. Let me tell you what most men are like. Now, I'm not saying all. I'm just telling you most men are like this. A wife will come and she'll talk about a problem and his whole time in his mind he's figuring out how to fix that problem. She really just wants somebody to listen. But he's sitting there thinking to himself, how can I fix it? When she's done, he's probably already got the solution in his brain, and he tells her the solution. Here's how to fix it. She walks away mad and upset. I'm not saying that happens every time. I'm telling you, it happens a lot. Sometimes it's just, you say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. Sometimes it's just repeating what she said, just to know that she knows that you're listening. It doesn't always have to be fixed immediately. That's what we want. We want everything fixed immediately. And if it can't be fixed immediately, then I'll walk away. Because it's easier to walk away 
then work on the problem. And I'm just using marriage as, a, as a, an example, but it's true in every single relationship. And it's true in our church, in our churches today. We are commanded to love one another. Jesus wraps it up. Hey, he wraps it up and puts a nice bow on it in Mark chapter uh, 14. In Mark chapter, uh, excuse me, Mark chapter number 12, he says, love God and love your neighbor. Mark 12, he says, love God, love your neighbor, and there is none other commandments greater than these. 600, I think, and three commandments that we find in the, in the Word of God. The Old Testament law, 603 commandments. He said, there's none greater than these two. First, love the Lord your God. By the way, he puts that first because you can't do the second one without the first one. Not successfully. Put God first. Love God supremely. Love God sacrificially. Make Him first place in your life. And I'm telling you, if we'll be honest, some of us need to rearrange our priorities to make God first in our life. I'm not talking about God just having a place in your life. I'm talking about having God first place in your life. Nobody ought to be more important to you than God. I, I can tell you, I, I, I can tell you that in my relationship with Wendy, if Wendy was standing here, she'd tell you the same thing. Nobody's more important to you than God. But then the Bible says to love God, and He wraps it all up for us. Love God and then love your neighbor. Amen. Who's your neighbor? Everybody. And everybody you come into contact with. It's not the person that lives next to you. You might live on the boonies. Nobody lives next to you. I'm not talking about that kind of neighbors. I'm talking about people that we come into contact with. It's certainly talking about the family of God. That we're to love each other. Sometimes. Have you found this to be true? I have. Some people are so easy to love. Matter of fact, there's people in my life that even when they do something dumb. They're just easy to love. When they do something wrong, they're just easy to love. It's like nothing they could do could ever separate that love. And then there's some people that aren't so much. Now, God doesn't say in His Word, love those that are easy to love. He said to love one another. Love those that are easy to love, but love those that are hard to love too. Because people that are hard to love are probably having a hard time. You've heard me made this, make this statement. You've probably heard this statement uh, 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 years past. Uh, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And people that are mean-spirited and people that are just, uh, I mean, they just don't ever have anything good to say. You know, Let me tell you something. They're struggling in their life. They're struggling. So they don't need another person to be hateful back to them. Everybody else is doing that. They need somebody to love them. Well, you don't understand how hard that is. Oh, yes, I do. Know exactly how hard that is. And any preacher would get up and tell you the same thing. Because sometimes it is difficult. Sometimes it is hard. But just because it's hard doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. And God says that we are, if we're going to be like Christ, we must love one another. 
I got three minutes and about 45 more points, but if we're going to love God and if we're going to love others, and God hung everything on those commandments, God said these are the top two commandments. These are the top two of importance. Then can I say this? We really need to put everything else to aside until we got that down. If we're struggling with that, then we really need to work on that first before we start worrying about other things, doing other things, saying other things. My first point is words of love, and God expects us to love one another, and if we're going to love one another, we're going to have to love each other with words. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. There's a, there's a right way to say something, and there's a right thing to say. But there's a wrong way to say something and a wrong time to say it. I have cringed at funerals as I heard preachers get up and say some of the stupidest stuff I've ever heard has been at funerals. Thinking to myself, I cannot, not that what they were saying was not right, but that wasn't the stage to say it in. Because sometimes it's best if you just zip it and don't say it at all. God says that we're supposed to speak the truth, right? Are we supposed to speak the truth? Absolutely. God said it. We're supposed to do it. But that's all. We, we stop there. Speak the truth. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says speak the truth in... Makes a difference, doesn't it? I mean, I can, I can take the Bible and smash somebody upside the head with it. Tell them that they're dying and going to hell and, and just keep pounding and pounding and pounding. And you know what we're doing? We're turning people away. We're turning people to the side. Because we think that we've got to speak the truth, and when we speak the truth, we've got to do it meanly. We've got to do it harshly. And then, when we're all alone because nobody likes us, we act like martyrs. Well, I'm the only one. Go find you a juniper tree and go pout under it. You're not the only one. There are other people that are standing for truth. They're just doing it in the right way. We need to use our words in the proper way, in the proper channel, at the right time. God expects it of us. Use your words well. Use your words caringly. Use your words kindly. Ephesians 4. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Be kind, not like Joe Springer's kind. Be kind like God's kind. Because there are plenty of times where Joe Springer's not kind. I was in line the other day and I was waiting in line. But I can't stand waiting in line. I mean, I just, we are not made to wait in lines. I can't stand it. And so I'm in line and, and, and it wraps around and, and then there's another way that comes this way. Well, there's nobody here. And so I'm in line about 16 cars back, it seemed like. Well, I finally get up. 
here comes this little redneck punk. Around the corner, pulls right in front of me. I left a gap so in case they had to go through. Pulls right, it's like five cars behind me. In Jesus' name. I wanted to pull that kid out of the car. Sit down and have a discussion about Jesus with him. I'm just telling you. It didn't last long. I was upset. I could not believe that he just, he knew a big smile on his face. You know you want to wipe the smile off their face? You ever felt that? No, I know you've never felt that way. Sometimes we're unkind. But here, listen to me. We ought not live there. When you park there, that's a problem. When you want to kill everybody in every other vehicle, that's a problem. When you look at daggers, you ever had somebody look at you like, boy, if looks could kill. I feel like that sometimes when I'm preaching. I think they want to kill me. I mean, sometimes people look at you like, I can't stand you. They don't even have to say nothing. It's just your facial features, right? And I'm telling you something. If you live there, you have a problem. Let me tell you the problem that many Christians have. Here it is. Bottom line, it's a heart problem. It's a heart problem. Get your heart right with the Lord. If the words that are coming out of your mouth aren't kind words, it's a heart problem. Well, I didn't mean to say it. Yeah, you did. You didn't mean to say it out loud. But out of the abundance of the what? The mouth speaketh. I mean, it should never be there. Get it out of there. Don't live that way. Don't talk that way. God expects more out of his people. And he expects the church to be the church. Let's be a kind church. Let's be a loving church. If we can't, listen to me, it's real simple. If we can't love each other, how in the, how in the world are we going to love the world? How are we going to love that waitress that's having a hard time? Let me tell you what waitresses have told me through the years. I'm talking about through the years. I hate working on Sunday. That's what they tell me. And, and guess what? It's not because they don't get to go to church. I hate working on Sundays because I have to deal with Christians. That breaks my heart. I mean, it literally breaks my heart. I, I, that all they got to do is say that, and I give them an extra tip every time. I mean, it's just, it absolutely tears me up to think that you're going to announce what church you go to and then be a jerk to the waitress because your food didn't come out right. Like, she went back there and cooked it. She might be having a bad day. She might have just lost a loved one. She might be having a dick, but difficulty. You're not thinking that. You know why? Because we're selfish and all we can think about is ourselves. I've been there. I know. I've been there. Let me tell you something. The church ought to be the church more than, more than just at, at this place. We ought to be the church when we leave this place. The restaurants you eat today, at, at your home, at the, at the grocery store, wherever you might go, be kind. Be different. People are watching and people are noticing the difference that you can make. Yesterday's gone. Can't do nothing about it. No rewinds. Can't go back. Can't redo. It's gone. 
But you could start today making a testimony that will last for eternity. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. God loves you. He loves you supremely. He loves you sacrificially. He loves you unconditionally. He came for a purpose. He came for a reason. What was that purpose? That purpose was to seek and to save that which was lost. You're lost if you're not, if you're not saved. How do I know that? How, how, how can you say that, preacher? I can say that by the authority of the Word of God because all of all our sinners all have come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not even one. We've all failed. We've all missed the mark. God knows that. God knows that so much that He sent Jesus Christ to, to become your propitiation. To take your place. You deserve to be on that cross. I deserve to be on that cross. But Jesus gave His life so that you could have eternal life and that you could have it more abundantly. You say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up this morning right back down. I'll pray for you. I'm not going to come to where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you by need. I'm not sure about it, preacher. Please remember me in your prayers. Is there one? Praise the Lord for salvation. Praise the Lord that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what we need to do. If you say you're saved, you need to act like you're saved. You need to talk like you're saved. There are words that God says shouldn't be in your vocabulary. And there are other words that ought to be in your vocabulary. Let's make a difference through our words. Because words do matter. And words do count for eternity. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, instruments playing. This morning, hymn invitation. Can I invite you to come? Lord, help me. Help me with my tongue. That unruly evil, James says, that's an unruly thing. It really is get out of control. I mean, there's all sorts of things that we shouldn't be doing, doing uh, when it comes to our speech. God, help us to keep it under control. And let our words matter for Christ. If you need to come for whatever reason, as the piano plays, you come.